Listening to I Love Old Time Radio with your host, Virtual Vinny. It's a new week here on I Love Old Time Radio. Welcome, Old Time Radio fans. I'm your host, Virtual Vinny. You can interact with us via social media on our Facebook page at I Love Old Time Radio or on Twitter at I Love OT Radio. You can send feedback via the contact form on our website at I Love Old Time Radio.com or you can leave a voice message using the anchor.fm app. If you enjoyed this program, please take the time to rate and review us at review.iloveoldtimeradio.com. This episode is brought to you by the I Love Old Time Radio Patreon page. Becoming a member on Patreon is the best way to help support I Love Old Time Radio. And if you pledge $6 or more a month, you get access to the Vintage Radio Club, which is an extra podcast a week with some longer productions. This past weekend, it was a Lux Radio Theater with a screwball comedy about a Brooklyn fight manager and a stumblebum pugilist who becomes servants of the upper class. It's called Is That So? If you want to hear more and help support I Love Old Time Radio, then visit vintage.iloveoldtimeradio.com. Ah, uh, uh, don't touch that dial. There's excitement galore coming up in the next hour when you'll hear Mildred, the masked mother, say to her son, And who do you think was dressed up as the grandmother? Uh, Goldilocks? No. Not the wolf? Yes. Oh, boy. During another exciting episode of Chicken Man. He's everywhere, he's everywhere! The most fantastic crime fighter the world has ever known. I Love Old Time Radio produces a new show every Monday through Friday, each day with a different theme. Monday's crime does not pay on the shadow. This episode originally aired on September 17th, 1939, and it is called Conversation with Death. curtain rises on another exciting adventure of the shadow, here's something for you motorists to think about. According to a recent survey made in 50 American cities, nearly one-third of all the tires on the road need replacement right now. One-third of the nation's tires are so worn as to be dangerous. If your tires are among this dangerous third, don't take chances any longer. Get Goodrich Safety Silvertowns now. Silvertowns, you know, are really two great tires in one. On the outside, they have the amazing lifesaver tread, that sweet, wet road so dry you can light a match on its track that will give you the quickest non-skid stops you've ever had. And on the inside, they have the famous Golden Ply blowout protection. Thus, you get two great life-saving features in Silvertowns 
all at no extra cost. The Shadow, mysterious character who aids those in distress and helps the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the unseen voice belongs. The only one who knows the true identity of that master of other people's minds, the shadow. Today's story, Conversation with Death. <laughs> well, there seems to be a popular place tonight. Aren't you folks dancing at all? Cranston, what about you and Margot? You're both beautiful dancers. Well, the choice is with the ladies, John. They seem to prefer the cool of the terrace and Dr. Latham's very interesting account of his experiences in the Orient. We can dance most any time, but it's seldom one can listen to so distinguished a scientist as Dr. Latham. Oh, thank you, Miss Lane. But I'm afraid I've been deadly dull. Oh, that, Montgomery, is a sin that never could be laid at your door. Oh, you're kind, Bernice. But if I've bored you, blame it on the occasion. Being guest of honor imposes the obligation of trying to be interesting. Ignore the interruption of my my rowdy husband, Montgomery. Go right on. Come here, John. Sit beside me. I tell you, Monty, and you too, Cranston, you're both single. When you marry, don't permit your wife to dominate you as this little tyrant lords it all over me. <laughs> well, you poor fellow, John. You certainly have the appearance of a hen-pecked husband. Did <laughs> <laughs> you look in on the children, John, dear? Yes. Billy insisted on your telling him his bedtime story. But I knew if I called you to the nursery, we'd never get you out again. Did he go to sleep? Right off. And Betsy? Doesn't even know either of us in the world. Sleeping the sleep of... No, no, I, I won't be trying. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse us, please. Now the most vital part of the Porter household is taken care of. Sorry, go on, Montgomery. You were telling us oh, about really, the Orient. please. I've monopolized the conversation. But you know I never tire hearing about the Orient. Yes, I know. I remember I once held the Orient out as a bait to induce you to run off with me. Yes, D.J. before John. Bernice <laughs> <laughs> traded that trip to the Orient for a trip to Hoboken. That's where we were married. Oh, really? <laughs> Ten years ago. Ten years. I've covered a lot of ground in that time. Geographically and professionally. Yes. And I have you two to thank for that. Well, do you mean, Doctor, that John and Renice share honors for your travels and your successes? I'd say Renice does. At least she started the chain of circumstances. He hadn't turned me down in favor of John. I shouldn't have run off to the Orient and buried myself inside. Why, Renice, you've held out a romance on me. I never suspected there was ever anyone but John. Well, I must say, <laughs> Montgomery was a swell rival. No trouble at all. He went out on the first punt. <laughs> it's a good man who knows when he's beaten, eh, Latham? Oh, I don't know that it was a tribute to my common sense, Mr. Cranston. I rather suspect it was the result of a flaw in my character. You see, I, uh, I'm not a fighter. I'm a brooder. Oh, that's bad. Beware the brooder. More deadly than the fire that brightly burns and quickly dies is the brooder's smoldering fury which from little things arise. Remember? Hey, <laughs> I resent the implication that Renice is a little thing. She's certainly the biggest thing in my life. Ah, what changes time can bring. John and Renice, this beautiful home, two lovely children... Yeah, well, it all makes me feel so terribly old. <laughs> yeah, it does seem as if John and Renice have found the true success formula. Yes, John, you must give me the formula. Uh, if you have a minute, I should like to talk over old times with you before I leave. Yeah. I'm sure the others will excuse us. Why, of course. Oh, John, take Montgomery to the library, and I'll have the butler bring you something to drink. Margot, you and Lamont will dance, I suppose. Yes, Renice, if I can speak for Margot. Of course you can, Lamont. I was beginning to think I'd lost that fatal fascination. Well, come oh, along oh, then, Montgomery. 
I've been looking forward to a little gab fest with you. If I may be permitted the role of a fond parent, I'll accompany you as far as the nursery. Always the doting mother. See you later, Margot. Yes. Right. Well, Lamont, why so pensive? I'm thinking, Margot, of that little jingle you recited. More deadly than the fire that brightly burns and, uh, how does it go? Quickly dies is the brooder's smoldering fury which from little things arise. Yes, that's it. Silly little thing. Yet it's not without truth. Oh, oh don't bother pouring, gentlemen. We'll serve ourselves. Yes, sir. Is that all, Mr. Porter? Uh, oh, yes, gentlemen, that's all. Well, thank you, sir. Well, John, it's a long time since we've had a drink and a cigar together. <laughs> yes, Monty. As I recall, we weren't on such friendly terms the last time, were we? Oh, I suppose I acted a jealous fool when I learned that you and Renice were going to be married. But you know, John, youth and love is a more violent combination than whiskey and gasoline. Well, a well-turned phrase, that. Think, eh? Oh, thanks. You don't seem any the worse for your great disappointment. You've done well. I suppose you're one of our most successful modern scientists. Well, professionally, I've done all right, I suppose. But uh, my personal life drags far behind, John. I've been hearing a lot about your progress. Bernice keeps me posted. She reads everything printed about you. Does she, John? Does she really? I think she told me at last count, 27 seven formulae bear your name. Uh, 28, to be exact. 28? Yes, yeah, she wouldn't know about the last. It's been a secret. In fact, it uh, will remain a secret. Oh, but enough of shop talk. Hey, it's not fair to arouse my curiosity about something I'm never to know. Well, oddly enough, it'll be no secret to you, John. I'm going to tell you all about it. Well, I feel honored to be thus singled out. <laughs> singled out? <laughs> How right you are. John, uh, you're familiar with the potion scene from Romeo and Juliet, I suppose. Hmm? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, Juliet takes a potion to make people think she's dead so she won't have to marry a man selected by a family. Is that what you mean? Uh, correct. That potion was simply a dramatic device born in the mind of a playwright. But what men conceive, men contrive. Oh, you don't mean to tell me you've actually invented such a drug. Yes, John, I have. Good Lord. I have developed a drug that will bring about the physical characteristics of death. It can suspend all organic action. Yet the brain will function, though death seems apparent. Well, hold on a minute, Monty. At the risk of appearing stupid... You mean that a person receiving a dose of this drug could be pronounced dead by a competent physician? Pronounced dead and buried. Yet he would be aware of everything that was going on about him? Fully aware and totally incapable of helping himself. Well, that's horrible. The most horrible thing imaginable. What sent you on a quest for a drug like that? Hate. Hate? Yes. Strange that such an unworthy emotion should be the motivation for a great scientific discovery, eh? I'm afraid I don't follow you. Oh, it's quite simple, John. I, uh, I said before that I was a brooder. But you were joking. No. I'm not the sort of coward who is afraid to face himself. I am a brooder. You're not. So you can hardly appreciate what that means. But, uh, now, uh, perhaps I can explain. Uh, you've no doubt had a physical injury, a sprained arm, a painful cut. Yes. But you can well imagine how you'd suffer if there was no balm, no medicine to relieve that pain. How would it be if it were to go on and on? Yes, I can well imagine. A brooder suffers such pains, but the wound is in the soul. There is no cure except the balm of vengeance. A hate satisfied. Do you mean to tell me that you hate somebody with such an awful intensity? Yes, I do. Oh, you surprise me, Monty. 
I never suspected you were capable of such a hatred. It surprises me more that you voice it. Well, why not voice it? I know of no more contemptible hypocrisy than the pretense of entirely lofty emotions. Surely you didn't invent this drug with the sole object of uh, satisfying this desire for vengeance. Perhaps not. But my hatred was eating away a part of me. I felt I could never be whole again while these saw persisted. I spent sleepless nights trying to wipe out this uh, spirit cancer. Uh, that's what I call it, John. And bearing the man you hate alive would wipe it out? Even the knowledge that I possess the power to completely express my hatred brought relief. Really, Monty, you amaze me. Truly amaze me. <laughs> I refuse to believe you mean all you say. Oh, I see. <laughs> this conversation distresses you, eh? <laughs> yes, it does. I think it's the strangest talk I've ever heard. Well, then we'll change the subject. Uh, let's talk about something else. Oh, say, by the way, isn't that a recent photo of Renice on the mantel? Oh, yes. It was taken last year when she was made president of the Women's Progress League. Oh, may I see it? Why, certainly. I believe it's her best likeness. I must have an oil made from it sometime. Here you are. Jove. She gets more beautiful every year. Doesn't she? I know I'm the luckiest man in the world having a wife like Renice. Yes, John. You've been fortunate. Most fortunate. Oh, the picture hardly does her justice. No picture could. Well, shall we drink up? Here's to her. To her. Ah, we let our drinks get warm. I'll pour another. Oh, no, no, never mind. This one is quite adequate. Quite. Mine tasted rather bitter. Oh, perhaps you're not accustomed to that uh, particular brand. No, that's hardly the case. Oh, uh, I suppose I can't stand these late hours as I once did. Money, I think I'll... What's the matter, John? I... I don't know. A glass just... Dropped from my hand. I... Perhaps you'd better sit down. Yes, I... Monty, get a doctor quick. I, I can't move. I'm, I'm paralyzed. Yes. <laughs> yes, John, you're paralyzed. <laughs> and no doctor can help you. Your body will assume the characteristics of death, and I will be a whole spirit again. A drink. You drugged it when I went to get Renice's picture. Yes. You permitted yourself the stupid conceit that nobody could hate you. But I do. I've hated you with an intensity that threatened to consume me ever since the day you married Renice. You're mad, Montgomery. No sane man could do this. I am free. Free for the first moment in years. My 28th formula will destroy you, John Porter, and I'll have nothing to hate anymore. For, for Renice's sake, Montgomery. She loves me. You can't do this to her. Soon she'll recover. I will help her through her grief, and I'll reap the reward of a consoling friend. What do you mean? Renice will be my wife. Never. Never. You took her Never. from me. Now I take her back. Uh. <laughs> That's the end, John Porter. Your heart will soon stop. You'll be pronounced dead. You'll cry out, but your voice will only be heard by yourself. And then you'll be buried. Oh, I... Oh, good God, help. There is no help for you. Please, please, please. Already your voice grows weak. Now the heart. <clears throat> that is the end, John Porter. Now you shall be a helpless witness to your own funeral. <laughs> Before we go into the second part of The Shadow's Adventure, here's a question for you. Who is it that today holds the same responsibility 
as the engineer of a fast train, the captain of a ship, or an airplane pilot. The shadow knows. The man behind the wheel of his car is just as responsible as the engineer, captain, pilot. Their first thoughts are for the safety of their passengers. Your first regard as a motorist should be for the safety of those who ride with you. For their sake, for your own sake, play safe. It pays. And remember, motorists, safe motoring begins with safe tires. Switch to Goodrich Safety Silvertowns now. Silvertowns, don't forget, are the only tires in the world with the amazing lifesaver tread. The tread that sweeps wet roads so dry, you can actually light a match on its track. Yes, this tread actually dries wet roads. Stops you quicker, safer than you've ever stopped before. And more. When you put Silvertowns on your car, you not only get the greatest skid protection ever offered, you also get the blowout protection of the famous Golden Ply. Both at no extra cost. Nathan's car in the porter driveway, Lamont? Well, yes, it is, Margot. There's still a light in the room where John's coffin is. We'll have to wait here until it's turned off. What time is it? It's near midnight. And we shouldn't have to wait long. You had no luck with the medical examiner, did you? Uh, very little. I told him I couldn't bring myself to believe that John Porter died of natural causes. I had nothing to offer him in the way of proof to the contrary, so of course he couldn't hold up the burial simply on vague suspicion. But he did assure me he'd see that John's body is not embalmed. Why do you believe that John may be the victim of foul play? Well, Margot, I'm working entirely on hunch. Montgomery Latham was in love with Renice Book Porter. And still is, if I'm any judge. Oh, that's silly of me not to have thought of that. Of course, he shows it in every glance. Well, there you have a possible motive for John's death. Latham might conceivably want him out of the way. Of course, but how do you suppose he did it? I'm only thinking of possibilities now, remember. But I once put a painfully wounded dog out of his misery in just the way John Porter might have been killed. How, Lamont? By hypnosis. You mean that it's possible to kill a man by hypnosis? Quite possible. It's a branch of hypnotic science I learned in the Orient. Oh, yes. Latham spent many years in the Orient. You think he might have learned the science? That's a possibility I can't overlook, Margot. But if that's the case, what can you do about it? If hypnosis still John Porter's heart, then it's possible hypnosis can start it again. In any case, I'm going to make the effort. Look. Look, Lamont. The light's just gone out. Yes. Come on, Margot. We've got another card to play in this frightful game. And he looks so lifelike. Yes, Renice. His face has lost none of its gentle character. Liar. <laughs> Hypocrite. Beware of Latham and Renice. Perhaps it's only wish fulfillment, Montgomery, but he seems to smile encouragement to me. I'm not dead, Renice. I can hear you. Can't you hear me, Renice? You must go now, Montgomery. It's late. You've been so good staying near me and comforting me. But the John would wish it, I'm sure, Renice. Yes. No, no. Send him away, Renice. Oh, if you could only hear me. I'm sure he wouldn't want me to desert you now. 
No, he'd want me to be near you. Don't listen to him. We three were such good friends. Two of us loved you. Bernice, Bernice, you loved me once. You might again. Okay. Let me offer the protection. Shoulder the responsibility John was forced to lay aside. Please don't. Oh, Bernice, hear me. <laughs> have nothing to do with Layton. The man was a team. Montgomery, you've been a dear. I'm sure John would be grateful for the comfort you've brought me. I love you, Bernice. I've uh, always loved you. And I, Montgomery. I feel closer to you than I've ever felt before. Oh, no, Bernice, you must. That statement makes me very happy. You've given me reason to hope. Bernice, listen to me. You've got to hear me. Come now, Bernice. Very late. You must try to get some sleep, dear. I've arranged for the housekeeper to sleep in the room next to yours. Oh, I can't leave him, Montgomery. I want to be with him as long as possible. Bernice, Montgomery. I'll be near you all. You must rest, Bernice. You must carry on just as John would wish. Yes. Yes, I must. I'll go to my room. Poor John. My poor John. Bernice, don't go. You must hear me. I've got to warn you against Latham. Bernice, hear me. You must hear me. Don't. Don't. Oh. All right, Margot. Step in. They're gone. You're not afraid, are you? No. John was our friend. Why should I be afraid? I'll need your help. Take his hands in yours while I open his eyes. All right, Lamont. You got it? Yes. Yes, Lamont, I've got it. Now place your finger on his pulse. Be on the alert for the slightest beat. Yes, I will. Good girl. Now we'll see if the art of hypnosis has anything to do with John's condition. John. John Porter. You must heed me and act as I command. Yes. Yes, help me. You are not dead. No, no. You sleep under an influence which I will destroy. As I speak, the blood flows through your veins. Your heart takes strength as I will it. And now, it begins to beat. 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 Respond, John. Respond. I'm trying, Captain. I'm trying, but you can't hear me. John Porter, a force greater than that which holds you calls. Respond. Margot. Yes, Lamont? Any pulse action? Not the slightest. We'll try once more. Don't give up, Cranston. Do you hear me? Don't give up. John Porter, again I command you to shake the influence that shackles you. Move. Speak. Yes, Cranston. I'm speaking. Can't you hear me? Any luck, Margot? No, Lamont. Not a sign of life. <sighs> well, Margot, looks like my guess is wrong. Cranston, don't give Isn't up. Isn't there still some small thread you might follow? John will be buried tomorrow. Oh, okay. Well. Don't let them bury me. If there is a thread of thought, it hasn't yet occurred to me. No, Margot, I'm afraid we'll have to acknowledge the claim of the grave. No. John Porter is dead. <laughs> Into your hands, almighty father, we commend the soul of John Porter. Have mercy on him. And suffer his grieving widow. All right, men. Lower the casket. John. Oh, John, darling, I don't want you to go. I don't want to live without you. Oh, Bernice, please, you mustn't give away this. Can't anybody hear me? Bernice, lay for mercy. All right, men. Fill in. Bernice! Don't let them bury me. Bernice! No. 
Oh, please. Somebody hear me. Help me. Don't let them bury me. Help me. No. No. Listen to me. I'm a baby. I'm a liar. I'm a liar. I'm a liar. Just what do you expect to find in Nathan's personal set? And why have you set today the day of John's burial as your deadline? Call it a hunch, if you will, Marco. But I want to thoroughly satisfy myself that John died of natural causes. Uh, I wonder if there might be another place where Latham keeps his papers. No luck in your quest so far? No, confound it. I've searched through everything. But I'll try again. Keep watching the road, Marco. Latham may come home. I hardly think so, Lamont. He must still be at the cemetery. Here, what's this? Marco. What is it, Lamont? Look at it. It's in Latham's handwriting. Here, let me have that phone. What are you going to do? The shadow's going to make an appointment at John Porter's grave with Police Commissioner Weston. <laughs> Come along, Renise. There's no use standing here staring at John's grave. We must go home. There is no home now. Mrs. Porter, may I offer my deepest condolences? Thank you, Reverend Halston. God bless you. Well, what does this mean? Who are these men that drive so fast into a cemetery? I, it's the police. Police? Come along, Winnie. You mustn't be exposed to more excitement. Montgomery, wait. What? Hold on, everybody. What does Hold this on. mean? Don't anybody leave here. Commissioner Weston. What is the meaning of all this? I don't know, mister, but I expect they will in a minute. There you go. Shadow. Is Shadow here? Yes, Commissioner. The shadow is here. Shadows? In the shadows. All right, then. Now, what's this all about? You phoned me to Just be here... Just a minute, Commissioner. You men there, start digging as fast as you possibly can. Bring John Porter's casket up and rip the cover off. Hurry. Go ahead, men. Do as he says. Honey, are you going to permit John's grave to be desecrated? What's the matter? What's Commissioner, have your men keep an eye on Latham. He may try to escape. Me? Escape? What does this mean? It means that your fiendish plot to murder your friend is exposed, Latham. Murder? Oh, this is ridiculous. Commissioner Weston, look behind you. Back of that monument. Uh, bring over, over here. That's it. I've placed an envelope and a small bottle there for you. Montgomery, who is this that accuses you of killing John? Some lunatic, I suppose, making a wild and stupid guess. The shadow doesn't guess, Latham. The shadow knows. Find them, Commissioner. That's what you mean? Yes. That envelope contains a document describing a drug that Latham gave John Porter. What? Why, this is preposterous. You can't deny it, Latham. You wrote the document yourself. It's in your handwriting. Please, don't listen. The man is mad. Go away. Don't touch me. What's in the bottle, Shadow? That's the antidote. If we hurry, it may save John Porter's life. Save his life? Oh, hurry. Please hurry. All right. I sit up. Quick. Don't let Latham escape. Grab him, Commissioner. Here you Here, here. Don't try anything like that. I wasn't trying to get away. I... I simply want to know. Yeah, well, you won't take any chances. Snap the bracelets on him, Horton. Take him away. Okay, sir. The casket's up. Rip it open, quick. John. John. Now, Commissioner, pour the contents of that bottle into John Porter's mouth. Right. Here, uh, lend a hand here, somebody. Sure, sure, Commissioner. Now, uh, hold his mouth open. There you are. Okay, Shadow. Now what? Now, we wait. Uh, he groaned. I heard it. Oh, John. John, speak to Stand me. Stand back, Mrs. Porter. Don't touch him. Look. He's high nature moving. 
He's alive. 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 Oh, my darling. My dearest, speak to me. Speak to me. Well, his eyes are open. John. John, it's me, Renice. You're saved, darling. Saved. Uh, Renice. Yes, John. What is it? You. You can hear me. Yes, dearest, I can. Thank God. Thank God. He's passed off. John. John. It's all right. A few hours in bed. He'll be all right again. Okay, Shadow. I'll see that he's taken right home. And as for Lathan, we've got a home for him, too. But it won't have any curtains on the windows. Well, this completes my job. So I'll bid you all good day. Oh, Shadow. Shadow. How can I express my gratitude? How can I thank you? No need, Mrs. Porter. My reward is in your happiness. Today's program is based on a story copyrighted by The Shadow Magazine. All the characters and all the places named are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. The Shadow Magazine is now on sale at your local newsstand. Exciting episode in the life of the most fantastic crime fighter the world has ever known. <laughs> the office.
office of the police commissioner of Midland City. The commissioner has called a press conference. Ladies and gentlemen of the press, today you've been called here to witness with your own eyes the dazzling speed with which the feathered fighter is able to leap into action once he is summoned by this office. All right, Miss Helfinger. Yes, Commissioner. Immediately, the Commissioner's attractive secretary picks up a yellow telephone on the Commissioner's mahogany desk. Ladies and gentlemen, please do not panic at what I'm about to tell you. In exactly 60 seconds, a time bomb planted by my staff in the basement of this building will automatically explode. Yes, yes, a very real and dramatic gesture, perhaps, but only to impress upon you the great dispatch with which the feathered fighter answers my summons. Now, Miss Helfinger. 10.01.30. Mr. Harbour is racing at top speed to this office from his residence eight blocks from here. 10.01.35. He's now leaping up the front steps of this building. Keep your eye on my office door, ladies and gentlemen. 10.01.40. He's now lunging down the corridor of this building. 10.01.43. He's quickly rounding the corner and rapidly approaching this office. 10.01.46. Mr. Harbour is reaching for the doorknob of this office. Uh, uh, uh. Hello. Hello, Wind Warrior. 10.01.50. Mr. Harbour enters the broom closet. Where he dons the costume of the feathered fighter. The wonderful white winged weekend warrior. Midland City's crushing answer to lawlessness and or evil. Uh, Miss Helfinger. Yes. Would you quickly see what seems to be taking... Of course. Fine, please. Uh, uh, Commissioner. Yes, what is it, Miss Helfinger? It's Mr. Harbour's costume. It uh, didn't uh, come back, uh, Commissioner. It only had to be pressed. Uh, when did you assemble? Well, it shouldn't take that long. I'm refreshing, shouldn't it? No. <coughs> Watch it, Miss Hellfinger. <coughs> Thank you, Feathered Fighter. Should I call them? <coughs> I would, uh, certainly. That seems to me to be very bad service. You know what I mean? Well, does this mean the Feathered Fighter's costume has been lost at the cleaners? And if so, will Midland City ever use them again? Listening tomorrow for another exciting episode in the life of the most fantastic crime fighter the world has ever known. You're listening to I Love Old Time Radio with your host, Virtual Vinny. Welcome back. Now let's talk about today's episode. First of all, this was a great story. I love the concept. I love the execution. The idea of being buried alive is such a terrifying idea that numerous designs of an item called a safety coffin was made. These coffins would have a signaling device of some sort that should someone be buried by mistake, they could activate and a bell would ring on the surface. Some coffins even had windows so the night watchman could check. In fact, in a cemetery not too far from where I grew up was such a window. The one thing I didn't like was the ending. It was one of those, we spent so much time on the lead-up, and the story, we don't actually have time for an end. So they wrapped it up quickly. It was hasty, and the episode didn't deserve such a quick ending.
And that's going to conclude our show here on I Love Old Time Radio. This program can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and on our host, Anchor.fm. You can listen to us on your Alexa device through TuneIn or iHeartRadio. For a full list, visit our website at iloveoldtimeradio.com and find the best location that suits you. Like us on Facebook at I Love Old Time Radio. Follow us on Twitter at I Love OT Radio. Comments and questions can be directed to our website at I Love Old Time Radio.com or leave a voice message using the Anchor.fm app. If you'd like to help support this show, you can do so at support.iloveoldtimeradio.com or by joining our Vintage Radio Club and get an extra episode a week. Tomorrow we'll play the first episode of our new show, Our Miss Brooks, and join us back next Monday for more from the shadow. For iloveoldtimeradio.com, this is Virtual Vinny, signing off.